And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with us today is Dr. John Vance. Pastor Vance, it's great to have you on with us. Well, I'm thankful to be here, Dan. You were the pastor of Westminster Presbyterian Church for many years, and now you've been retired for a while, living in West Virginia. Uh, By the way, before we get started, how do you like it in West Virginia? Oh, I love it. It's been a great, cool summer in the mountains. Uh, You know, I'm in the mountains. I'm not uh, uh, in a city, uh, though we're only five miles from the interstate and about 25 miles away from uh, two towns that have uh, have some size to them, Lewisburg and Beckley. But we love it. We love it. And I've planted trees and things and and, uh, uh, grass and everything. It's just been great to see things grow. Grow. Mm, that's wonderful. And uh, your your family went through a loss not too long ago. It was a terrible loss, as I recall. Yes, my older daughter's husband lost his parents. Uh, two fine Christian uh, people. They lost their parents in a terrible accident north of Richmond, Virginia, going home to Newport News, Virginia. Uh, they've been out month visiting uh, relatives in their camper trailer. And so, yes, it's been a t- tough time, particularly for uh, the two boys that they had, wonderful Christian family. Mm. These tragedies always take us by surprise, and we're never ready for them. And I felt so bad when I saw that word come across that um, there was this terrible loss. Well, they were vigorous uh, in their 70s, vigorous people, uh, great people, uh, extremely involved in their church, and uh, she was the head of Habitat for Humanity in that area and started Mm. building homes for the poor and things. And So anyway, they were just great people, and uh, they'll be lost, and, and Marlene and I, my wife Marlene and I are are saddened that we won't have the fellowship with them that we anticipated. We had a good relationship. Yes, I can imagine. Well, um, we're going through a hard time um, nationally at this point, in my humble opinion. Um, People have um, kind of a, I don't know, I I sense a, a discouragement that's setting in. As as people see world events, um, most recently it's the Afghanistan uh, debacle. Our nation has been in Afghanistan for about twenty years, I believe. Any observations on that, Pastor Vance? I have some. I, I hope they're uh, apt. Uh, I can remember well, of course, and you can too, and people. Uh, of a certain age, remember well that we went into Afghanistan and our initial uh, going in, uh, we had great success. But somewhere along the line, I think we got confused over whether we're going to nation build or get in and get out That's and right. so forth. And so the the, the uh, defeat the Taliban and, and prevent them from having uh, a place to harbor other terrorists uh, like al-Qaeda. Uh, and and that mission seems to me to have always been muddled, 
And lo and behold, as we got to the end of this and the way it ended, I think it proved uh, that the, the political divide in this country between those who want a nation build and those who want to uh, defend ourselves and our country and get in and get out. But, you know, I'm not sophisticated enough politically to know what's the right strategy, but I do know this, there was confusion in our political leadership all along. Yeah, no question about that. To um, decide to shut down air superiority and bring out our troops and yet leave citizens there and whatnot and then say, oops. <laughs> well, the way we, well, the way we exit it is obviously wrong. Yeah. You don't, send, you, you don't have to send troops back in if you didn't make a mistake, a big mistake, a oh, horrible yeah. mistake, because it, it's going to be the, the, uh, the price will be the death of many, 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 who knows how many people oh, will yes. die as a consequence of this uh, because of the ruthless uh, regime of the Taliban. Mm. There's a lot of angst going on right now. Um, but that, that brings me back to um, where we started just a little bit, that is that people are discouraged, and um, I believe that we need to remain hopeful as Christians um, because of who our king is. Anyway, so let's talk about what's been on your mind, uh, certainly Afghanistan, but many other things. So you, you sent me a quick note suggesting some of the things that we could chat about today, and what kind of surfaces to the top of your mind today that we could talk about? Dan, I think we live in a delusional age, at least in the West. We have no clear end goal uh, politically. Um, a lot of our young people have uh, exodus uh, the church, for instance. Uh, I've been attending some churches in the area here, and none of them have young people. They're all older people in these churches. We've lost a lot of our young people to the church. And I also think that the young people, uh, a lot of them, I don't say all, because Christianity is flourishing in many quarters. And uh, I might mention that if I have opportunity here before we finish. Uh, But the truth is, a lot of uh, young people in the West have no direction. And I don't speak simply of the U.S., but I'm talking about the entire West. Uh, We seem to be in a moribund state a state of uh, of lack of hope, uh, but there is reason to hope. Of course, uh, you know, I I went back. Uh, my sister uh, was studying Jeremiah. I have a twin sister, and once in a while, she teaches Sunday school class, and she was teaching on Jeremiah, and she calls me, and we talk about the lesson that she's going to teach. <laughs> and uh, Jeremiah was, in many ways, the most hopeful uh, prophet. In the Old Testament, uh, even though he has the reputation of being the weeping prophet and uh, his counsel was rejected and he had a very, very difficult uh, ministry, so to speak, uh, he was called to preach to people that wouldn't listen to him, and they didn't. But it's during his time that uh, the, the first temple fell, the, the temple of Solomon, the one that Solomon built. And it's in his time that the Babylonian captivity was uh, beginning to take place. Jeremiah did something that uh, that most people, I don't think, really noticed, but he went out and bought a field. 
and in that field he he uh, he 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 took the deed and he buried it and he promised that these people would return and would once again own land and plant crops and grow trees and I was reminded of that this morning as I went out and, and uh, looked at the two trees I just planted. I just planted a, a dogwood. It's not the best time of the year to plant a dogwood, but I did. And I have a Damascus plum. Now, these trees will outlive me by far, but I planted it for the next generation. If my children want this place, I hope they do. Uh, they That's the hope that I have. We, we're running a relay race where yes. we pass the baton on. And God, uh, our Father in heaven, uh, uh, is the future. Uh, you know, there's an old saying that I love. Uh, I don't know the future, but I know him who holds the future. Right. And that's true and regardless of the circumstances that we are in. And, and we ought not to lose heart, as the Apostle Paul says. You mentioned uh, the delusional age in which we live. And um, that must be tied, I would think, to... Um, rejection of biblical truth, rejection of Christianity. Well, it goes hand in hand. Uh, if we reject truth, we will get falsehood, and we do live in a delusional age. Uh, this matter of, uh, of of people believing that they're a, 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 a woman trapped. Uh, a man who who feels like he's a woman, and where where our military is spending money to make that a reality, and even in schools, uh, the, the transgender uh, stuff is is delusional. It's akin, I think, to eating disorders, you know, like bulimia mm-hmm. and other types of. Uh, but we're making that a reality when it's when it it, it is not a reality. It's unreality. It's delusional. And I could go on and on with various things about uh, critical race theory. It's delusional. It's a doctrine of hate, not a doctrine of love. No. And we could go on and on. You know all the routine in our society, what's wrong and everything, but we live in a delusional age when we can't even say that mathematics is truth. <laughs> yeah. And, and so that's delusional. We, we, we are deluded into thinking things that are absolutely contrary to what is, and trying to make it uh, a reality. Uh, There's several things that came to my mind as I considered talking with you today. and One is the uh, imagery that our Lord gives in one of the Gospels when he talks about the leaven in the loaf, and he uses that symbolism and basically teaching that the leaven doesn't affect just part of the loaf or a little bit of the dough, but it's pervasive. It affects all. And uh, I think that's where our Lord's heart is at, where he sees this world, he weeps over the world, and he holds out hope for the world. And then he gives the ability, he grants the ability to his people to come to him, faith-believing. And uh, it's a it's been called the Great Commission, but I think it's a lot greater than what we make it out to be at times. Well, there's a hiddenness of God. Uh, Luther talked about the hiddenness of God. But God is very present. He, it, we think he's hidden, but he is not. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't always reveal his purpose and so forth. But the leavening uh, is a reminder 
that God is doing something in our age that we cannot see or perceive, mm. and that he is indeed at work in such a way that his plan of redemption will never uh, be frustrated or thwarted, but he will continue uh, to work in our midst. And the leavening is to remind us that God is doing a greater work than we can imagine or think yeah. in our midst today. <laughs> uh, one, one illustration of this is what's taking place in Iran. Uh, there is a, a quiet Christian movement in Iran that's having great impact. The mullahs there are very threatened by what's the young people are doing in turning away from Islam to Christ. Now, there are not huge numbers, but they are significant enough uh, to threaten the mullahs. And so these riots recently and demonstrations were lar- largely fueled by that mm. uh, that we, we read about in Iran. Yeah. So G- God is doing a lot of things in this world that uh, we, we don't perceive, and, and, uh, and we should never lose hope because he has promised that he will never leave us or forsake us. Yes. Another topic that came to my mind was Hungary. I was recently watching something or reading something about Hungary under Viktor Orban, uh, the leader over there. And he was he was uh, not apologetic about controlling his borders. And I, I liken that to what I do here at night, what Deb and I do. We, we lock our doors. Uh, we don't want just anybody just walking in. Um, we want to be friends with people, and if we trust them, and we may invite them over for dinner or something and uh, whatnot. But that analogy of locking our doors at night is a good one, and it helps me understand why countries need to maintain who they are. They need to understand who they are, have a language, have borders, and not be apologetic that, that we're, they're not taking anybody in. Um, any 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 thoughts about that? Dan, uh, uh, use the word delusional. This is part of it. We believe, uh, at least some in this country, that we can throw open our borders and let everything in the world come in. It does two things. One, it creates uh, criminality, the movement of drugs, the rape and mistreatment of women and children, on our borders, it's a disaster on our borders, an absolute a criminal disaster. And um, uh, it, it's, it's, it was unthinkable in times past. But this is the product of the tension between those who believe in nationhood and those who don't. Mm. And I'm afraid that the internationalists are controlling most of our political direction. Yes. Yes. And uh, and because of that, we we are denuding, uh, impoverishing those countries from the uh, where these people are coming from. They're losing their young people out of a false hope coming to this country. Mm. Not only are we creating a disaster in their countries, it's a disaster for our country. Yeah. And we can't do this. It's the same thing in uh, Afghanistan. Oh, yes. Look at the humanitarian crisis there. We've got one on our border, and we've got one in Afghanistan. Yes. Uh, Absolute humanitarian disasters. 
And at the same time, at the same time, these are the same people who claim to be the greatest defender of women and children. Yes, and it reminds me of a, a text I saw. Someone sent me this where it says, quote, An Afghani interpreter I have come to know well over the years was hung in the streets last night. They melted his DOD ID into his chest, cut off his arms, and killed his family. His 10-year-old daughter was spared and handed off to leadership. And uh, you're absolutely right. This this will not end well. It's not going well right now. It will only get much worse uh, with the Taliban in charge of Afghanistan. And um, now they've let out a bunch of um, murderous thugs that were in prison, terrorists. And so there's a, there's a fresh supply of terrorists as a result of this new uh, Biden policy that he uh, put in place. I don't think he knew it was going to turn like this overnight. No, I don't believe he anticipated this. Obviously, he didn't. No. But, you know, I, I read a, uh, a website. It's called uh, uh, Middle Eastern Media Research Institute. In fact, I have the headlines here before before me now. And uh, this is uh, about what's taking place in the Middle East and the Muslim world. And there are uh, many places they're rejoicing over the fact that the Taliban won and what this means for Islam. Uh, the Taliban will try to establish a caliphate. They'll have to sure. be in a race with the Turkish president, Erdogan, who is also trying to establish a caliphate. Uh, and, and that means a worldwide Muslim movement to to subject the world to its will through jihad, missionary jihad. Uh, but also... Um, uh, the, the what's taking place, I say, is delusional because it, it's so unreal. I mean, it, it, it defies common sense. Yes. So uh, Christians, I believe, uh, by the grace of God, through his Holy Spirit, we'd be given a new mind in Christ to see things the way they are. Yes. And so I think that's why so many of us are so disconcerted and tempted to lose heart, but we must not because yeah. the prophets of old... And and the Apostle Paul and others were in the same straits, and they more than ever found great hope in our Lord Jesus Christ <laughs> right. and His coming. Yeah. So that's where we are. We live in a world that is out of sync with us, Yes. but we must never lose hope. Yes. Well, today we're talking with Dr. John Vance, former pastor of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Rock Tavern, New York now living in West Virginia. we got maybe five minutes left to our discussion. What about that young person out there who is um, a little bit mm, troubled, <laughs> to say the least? He looks at the world and doesn't see too much good going on right now. Um, I think there's a lot to be said for finding what it is that you're good at doing and and being content with the work that God has given you, and doing a good job at that. Um, and do you have some words of encouragement to young people today? Well, the Apostle Paul, of course, talks about contentment. That's a great word. Uh, learning to be content in a world that's discontent. And uh, it's especially difficult for for young people 
there, there are dangers for our young people. I have no question about it. Our uh, grandchildren, my wife and I talk about them and what kind of world yeah. will they inherit from us. Uh, our universities, for the most part, are leading this delusional thinking. Our cultural elites, uh, I'd say the first thing is parents ought to be aware of this. It's not going to destroy their faith uh, and and, and uh, so forth. But but the great hope is that God has not abandoned our young. He says, I will be a God to you and to your children. Yeah. Well, now that is one of the greatest hopes that a person can have. And I spend my day every day p- praying for my grandchildren Amen. and some other families, uh, well, in Westminster Church and other places that have children, that they will successfully pass the baton of truth, that is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, on to their children. And uh, life is a great relay race until Jesus comes, and we need to be faithful in our generation that we might pass it on and tell the next generation of the great deeds of God and what he's done for us. And so I see the hope uh, in, in renewing our covenant families and, and seeing hope for our young people. But if they are left to themselves to drift at sea in this raging world uh, that's fraught with danger, then uh, we have done them an extraordinarily disservice. Yes. So, uh, so the great hope is that the, the parents will, when they don't have control over their adult children, will continue to pray that God will work in their hearts and lives. And for young people who need hope, um, there is in work, you know, the, what, work is a wonderful thing, like you just mentioned, a, a vocation. Find what you do and do it well. Um, certainly the, the Antifa, or, or Antifa, as I usually call it, mm-hmm. and Black Lives Matters and those pe- uh, children, young people, are uh, the most miserable-feeling kids must be on the face of the earth. Yeah. <laughs> They're working out their internal turmoil on the public. Mm. And uh, and it's because they've not learned to be content. They have no work. They have no hope for the future. Yeah. And and so so that's why we're having the trouble we're having on our streets in major American cities. Sometimes um, I watch or listen to the kids in the congregation participate in singing um, during congregational singing, and it's a wonderful thing to observe. Uh, they're taking it in. Uh, they may not comprehend as deeply as an adult, but it's getting in there. And then, and then when they're around here, um, the the kids, you know, I'm talking about the grandkids. Sometimes they'll start singing, or sometimes they'll write something on a piece of paper and they'll say, "I love Jesus," you know, or "I love God and Jesus," and you know, words to that effect. And um, yeah, that's the future. That's the future right there. These these little, what we call covenant children, <laughs> they 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 love Jesus. They really do, and it's it's a beautiful thing to see. Today we've been talking with Doctor John Vance, former pastor of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Rock Tavern, now living in West Virginia. How about a final word, Pastor Vance, to um, kind of wrap things together here today? Well, we must not lose heart. Uh, I have uh, uh, greatly been blessed by reading St. Augustine's Confession and other things, and 
One of the places that he says is that uh, it, it puzzles people when they first hear it. I know when students, when I used to teach them in uh, State University, uh, it was love God and do what you will. If we teach our children to love God in Jesus Christ, they will do his will because they are drawn to him. That Love is, is, is the most precious thing on the face of the earth. There's mm. a song that I heard some years, what's love got to do with it? Everything, if it's biblical love, <laughs> everything. And, and once again, we must uh, teach our children to love God and to do his will. It's a great summary. Thank you very much. Dr. John Vance, my brother, and also a fellow board member here at Redeemer. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been my pleasure. And dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer. <laughs> 